Imagine a world where men stepped up and answered God's call to reach their full potential. Imagine a world where men put their faith and trust in God unwaveringly and without qualification. Imagine a world where men lived out God's purpose for them in everything they do. It's not my credit to take explores the awe and wonder of how God shows up in the lives of strong, principled Christian men from all walks of life. Get ready to laugh, to cry, and to be transformed. I'm your host, Dr. Ed Slover, faithful husband, loving father, loyal friend, and unapologetically Christian. Welcome to the It's Not My Credit to Take podcast. How's it going, Noah? Good. Thanks for having me. It's so exciting to see you. It, it, it's been a little while, and for those of you not watching this on YouTube, you see Noah in an office with some photos, with some apparent dignitaries in those photos. I can't <laughs> hardly see them. And he, he's wearing a vest indoors because he is uh, he's at Grand Canyon University uh, in Phoenix. And one thing GCU does really, really well, as we both know, Noah, is air conditioning. Crank the AC. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> no complaints. We're happy about it. They keep us cool here. Yes. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. My guest Very today cool. is, is Noah Wolf. Noah is currently the director of development at Grand Canyon University, where he served in multiple roles since having earned two master's degree, an MBA and a master of science of leadership, and two bachelor's degree, one in business management, the other in Christian studies. I mean, I knew Noah was smart, but I didn't think he was that smart. And he and I first met when he was a student of mine in an organizational behavior and management class. I was always impressed by his level of curiosity, engagement, and charisma, in addition to him being elected student body president during the semester he was in my class. In addition to his work, Noah serves on the board at Young Nonprofit Professionals Network Phoenix as an advisory board member for Young Talent and as a committee member for Westmark Economic Development. Noah has been married to his lovely wife, Allie, for two and a half years. No kids yet, Noah, but I'm sure that's on the horizon. No kids yet. It's on the horizon, but not yet. That's, that's outstanding. Well, congratulations on making it two and a half years. Uh, that, that's not nothing. Um, in most marriages, like the first four years is the litmus test. And if you can get on the other side of that, you're probably doing really well. Good. That's good. That is great to hear. It has been it has been a roller coaster. So much fun. So much stuff to learn. So we've had a lot of fun. But thanks for the encouragement. Yeah, I mean, it's it, marriage is like parenting in the sense that there there's no guidebook for really any of it. There are there are yeah. there's advice, but <laughs> who knows it, whether or not it works. Yeah, absolutely. And couples are obviously so different. We're all unique individuals, and so. You know, we have friends and they're so different than us and what works in their marriage or the lives that they have look so different than what works in our marriage and the lives that we have. So we're, we're consistently going back to scripture and wise counsel and our church and trying to get advice on, you know, how do we love each other better and, and trust the Lord in it. So it's been so much fun. Better at GCU. Um, so grateful in a class, actually. So grateful for wonderful faculty members uh, like yourself who. I've spurred on probably so many marriages you don't even know about. <laughs> I don't know about that. I tried you're, to talk you're, you're a lot of you yeah, out of it. Probably, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 actually, that's true. We didn't meet in your class. So, I mean, there's that, – that's so, No, I failed you as a teacher. <laughs> no, no, no. I I talk about the, your course often. You know, I think that 
Uh, for, for folks who don't know the course that Dr. Silver taught at GCU um, is notoriously challenging uh, in, in, in the program of uh, our, in the college of business programs and many students have to take it. And I, that was actually, I, I took it my freshman year and there was like a little error or something and they put me in it and I was way over my head. So I came back junior year and uh, um, I was like, ah, man, I, I don't know if I'm good enough for this class. I don't know if I'm going to do a great job. I, uh, tried so hard and and got a fine grade but not the, the best grade that I wanted out the first on the first test and uh, I remember you just you just coaching me up and talking to me about hey it, it's the process of learning and growth and development that matters do you feel like you're really learning stuff in this course do you feel like the stuff that you're learning is going to be applicable in your life and your career uh, and the answer is absolutely yes and it, it has been and so anyway I think it was a really healthy um, realization for me of Hey, you know, the, the goal in life is to do your best to learn and grow from it um, and not try to just box in success in one specific category of an outcome, but really look at, you know, what you're learning through the process of it all. So thank you. I, it was actually a huge moment in my college career. Well, you're welcome. And th that's th that, that's a really solid perspective. Before we get into in, into a little bit more of your background outside of yeah. that particular class during that semester you were going through the process of getting elected student body president i mean i upon reflection i can't help but believe i had something to do with uh with you getting All elected. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so yeah. not sure what but but probably so um absolutely I'll give, my, I'll give you my address for uh for payment after we wrap the call great Tell us about your background and how you ended up staying at Grand Canyon University to pursue your career goals. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, my life has been so blessed. Um, I'm, I'm originally from San Diego, California, actually born in Virginia. So my, my mom and dad went to school at a small uh, private college out there in, in California and then moved to the East Coast. My dad was a computer scientist, so he actually got a job at the CIA out of college, which was kind of cool. And uh, they were doing the, 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 the young married couple thing and found out they couldn't have kids. And so um, I pursued the avenue of adoption. And so myself and all of my siblings are adopted. And uh, as I've kind of come to, to learn more about my adoption story and watch the process of adoption play out in the lives of, of my siblings, um, it's just been such a, a beautiful indication of, um, you know, God's plan and purpose for each of our lives. Uh, some of the things that I've been blessed to do in my life, you know, for a long time, didn't seem like it was going to be a possibility. Uh, and so I'm, I'm really, really thankful for that. I was in Virginia for only a couple of months after I was born that we moved to San Diego. That's where I grew up for the, for, uh, the majority of, uh, my childhood and high school and all that fun stuff. And it was a pretty, you know, it was a pretty uh, interesting uh, childhood. I think that, you know, I I was a curious kid um, and uh, in, in great ways and not so great ways, maybe curious in the, in the sense of uh, uh, curious about the authority figures in my life. And so uh, especially in high school, I kind of went into my off the rails years and had some really complicated stuff happen that actually affected uh, you know, where I was going to go to finish out my high school career and where I was going to go to college. And so I had all these big plans for where I was going to go to school. And uh, at the time, GCU was growing, you know, immensely fast out here in Phoenix. 
And a lot of friends would go there and it was never on my radar as a place that I wanted to go. I'd gotten into some pretty cool programs around the country. And uh, I took a trip out here just to see the campus um, with a buddy of mine. The school would fly out if you were interested. And um, I loved it. It was fun. I was like, oh, I'm going to come to Phoenix and, you know, watch some basketball. No way I would ever go there. And while I was here, I really felt like, you know, the Lord was saying, hey, this 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 might be the place for you. You know, there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of growth happening here at the college here in Arizona at the time. And I would did not want to have anything uh, to do with that. And so over the course of the next couple of months, God just started slamming doors shut on almost every other college opportunity. It was crazy. It went from like, I know what my life's going to look like. to I have no clue what my life's going to look like. Found myself a few months after that in a car on the way here to college, and you know, was frustrated and mad at God for putting me out in the middle of nowhere in the desert. No, no, no belief in, in my head that I would be here for a, a, a few semesters, let alone, you know, eight years later. And I, and I've stuck around. I've stuck it out. God's been faithful. Um, my, my college experience was fantastic. Um, and I think towards the end to get to your specific question, I really got to see, you know, this is what um, the university is all about, which is, which is uh, creating equality for all socioeconomic classes of Americans, which is living out um, our faith uh, in, in, in a higher education context. And that got me really excited, serving the local community, uh, communities like the one I was born into. And so I, I wanted to stick around and be a part of it and uh, jumped into a career, career role here. And that's been outstanding. I've been working full time for the university for a little bit now and have gotten to do a lot of different things. So that's a little bit about my background. It's been so much fun. It's been a roller coaster. Totally don't, didn't think this is where I would be, you know, even a few short years ago. And I'm just really thankful that the Lord's kind of brought me along in the process. It's been really rewarding to, at a distance, see how much you've thrived, in not only as a student, but now as a professional uh, at the university. You, go, you mentioned in high school being curious of authority figures how did that how did that show up describe that was it was it a curiosity where you were really wanting to learn from them or was it curious to figure out okay so um should i trust this person uh you know how how does that how did that work for you yeah yeah absolutely i mean in a more blunt way i think it was more of the rebellious chaotic season of life but i think it was spurred on from a curiosity of, yeah, should I trust these people? You know, um, am I inside of, of a box, you know, where there's a rule book and a way of life and a way of thinking? And and why do these people get to set that? Why do these people get to decide that? And it honestly pushed me to ask some really tough questions of my faith. I think early on, um, it also pushed me to make some terrible decisions that I'm not proud of early on. Uh, but, but, but I think, one of the things that I'm just so thankful and grateful for, and this has shown up across the board in my life, um, is that even in that season, there were so many people, my family being included, but others as well, who um, continued to pursue and pour in and invest in me um, when I didn't earn that, uh, when I didn't deserve that, when my attitude or decisions that I was making at the time didn't merit um, another chance. Uh, and, that has just happened again and again and again and again in my life. I don't know why. I think it's a great representation of the way that God keeps, you know, consistently um, extending chances towards us. And uh, I think those are the types of people that, you know, have a lot to do with the outcomes that's happened in my life. 
and have, have tried to keep me, you know, have, uh, consistently in a heart posture of saying, hey, um, regardless of the season that people are going through, it's important to be present, invest in them, believe in them, look towards the future of who they could be. So I'm really thankful for that. And uh, I think, you know, that curiosity led to some tough stuff, but it also led to really healthy outcomes and um, uh, a lot of wisdom to reflect on. Yeah, no doubt about it. One of the things that I took away from what you just said was we're, we're generally pretty good at assessing how people show up. What we tend to be less good at is why they're showing up that way in the first place. And huh. so this, the, in both cases, we need to extend grace. In your, in your experience, in terms of extending grace, to what end should we as Christians extend grace? Yeah, yeah. No, great, great question. I think uh, uh, the disciples asked that question. I think that question comes up consistently uh, in my own life, in my marriage, for sure. My wife is asking that question about me probably right now. Um, uh, so, so, um, um, I would, I Daily would say, thing, Noah, you know, just get ready, man. It, it, for sure. Like, yeah, and I don't think it's, I don't think it's going to end. I know the kid thing is, I'm, I, that's even going to be harder. I bet. So, so, you know, I think there. You, it's tough to extend grace because you don't want to, obviously. And I guess you got to ask, you know, why don't I want to do this? And I think it's because our entire culture and society is built on this foundation of earning, earning your retirement, earning your promotion, earning your grade. Um, it's tough to really wrap your head around the gospel when it's not earned. Uh, and I think that you know, the Western church, the Western culture, my faith, it really wants church, the scriptures, my mentors to just give me a rule book, a playbook that I can follow and say, all right, if I do this and I do this, and I, I don't even need grace. What, what's the point of grace if I'm knocking it out of the park? And um, the challenge with that is, A, a I think that's a narrative that gets shipped a lot of the times when you're talking about what it means to be a Christian. It's just a big rule book. Um and then B, it doesn't work and you end up breaking all the rules and you can't you can't solve it. And you end up in this place or posture of, you know, having to accept humility. And that's where I really think, you know, the challenge of grace exists. My answer to your question specifically is as much as you possibly can extend grace, keep extending grace. And there's things that are um, difficult because there's, you know justice that wrestles with grace and there's outcomes and consequences to sin that wrestles with grace. And there's, you know, um, learning opportunities for people that you might be responsible for that, you know, wrestles with grace. But at the end of the day, I have to put myself in a position that wants and desires to extend grace as much as possible. I think the best way to do that is to keep myself in a humble state and combat against pride. I think the best way to do that is, you know, a lot of the stuff that you, you're, you're even doing here, remembering and highlighting Hey, the majority of the things that my pride is built on top of in quotations has nothing to do with me. I didn't execute on that stuff. I didn't accomplish that stuff. Um, that helps me be a more grace oriented person. But to get back to the specifics of your question, I think as much as you possibly can extend grace because Christ extended as much possible grace as he could towards towards us. Um, and my goal is to try to replicate him as much as I can. I love that. So you referenced society focus on focuses on earning. 
And right when you said that, I I made a note of trust because we've held this belief that trust has to be earned. I know whenever I was, whenever I was a, a professor at GCU, I, I would have conversations with my faculty counterparts frequently and they were, some of them were less willing to extend grace because trust had been violated by a select few number of students in their past. And because of that, they became cynical and jaded and then apply these sweeping rules to everyone else that probably didn't didn't fit you know there shouldn't have been having to follow those rules and it occurs to me that trust isn't necessarily something that's earned as much as it's given until someone proves that you know they can't be trustworthy or we end up losing confidence in their integrity or their competence mm-hmm. or, or 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 just we find ourselves losing compassion for them what's your general general impression of that idea yeah no i i mean i i think that that conversation is incredibly intriguing um i think it's easy it's an easier said than done thing um you know i think that the easy the easiest response is to say hey my trust has been violated in order for me to project and conservatively protect my future i'm just going to kind of place a a general policy practice on how I approach this specific thing. No trust for anyone in this area. In, in my grading policy, in my policy with employment, you know, in my policy with my employees, in my in my home, with, 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 with a church, it, it can happen across the board. And again, this is easier said than done. I think something that people don't often think about is that, you know, when, when, when you box in something, you prevent out of the box ideas or possibilities from happening. Um, and so more specifically, what I mean by that is, you know, if I'm not extending trust, let's take our, our team here, all the amazing employees that we have. Um, if we get a new one in the door that's creative and talented and incredibly hardworking and innovative, and I immediately don't extend them trust because of someone else that they have nothing to do with, you know, um, uh, on a project or an assignment or a task or whatever, their area of responsibility, what's going to end up happening is, as a business, as, as an organization, we're going to stifle creativity. Um, we're, we're going to prevent that individual, especially if we hire the right one from even wanting to work here in the first place. I'm going to build a lack of uh, um, um, belief in me as a manager, uh, as a supervisor, as a leader, as a support system for them. And, and it's going to lead to any, honestly worse outcomes. And so I guess my point I'm trying to say is I, I think it's great to extend as much trust as possible because the outcome you're going to get is, is probably just as bad or worse if you just choose out the gate not to extend trust as the one you might mm-hmm. get if you extended it in the first place and it got broken. Um, and again, it's easier said than done. You got to be willing to look at people as, as you know, individuals and not as a generalistic, um, you know, one size fits all type of um, uh, uh, relationship. And so, I think that's been and and understand that people change. You know, I, that, that that that's been tough and tough and even in our in our short two and a half years of marriage. You know, Allie and I are very different now than we were when we got married than we were when we met. Life moves on. I think Tim Keller talks about you know your spouse and the individuals in general. They'll change like deeply change as an individual seven or eight times over the course of you know a traditional 
relationship, which means you have a lot of different marriages and dynamics and all that stuff. And so I think my wife has done such a great job of saying, hey, I'm not talking to the same same Noah I talked to two and a half years ago. And because Noah did that two and a half years ago, it doesn't mean he's going to do it right now. Um, I might be nervous and scared about it, but that's where you got to have faith and trust that, you know, um, your spouse or the person that you're working with is is in line and in step with with God. So anyway, that, that was a long-winded answer, but some of my thoughts on trust. It's so good. At, from a leadership perspective, what I heard you describe is giving your power away. And in so doing, you're demonstrating humility. You're obviously demonstrating courage because you have the decision-making authority where you can make the decision. And yet you're choosing to entrust someone that is in your charge with you know, completing whatever tasks or responsibilities mm. that they have, uh, all the while knowing that they could completely jack it up and you're ultimately mm -hmm. accountable. How do you, how do you reconcile that a, as a leader where you, you know, the possibility for error is high. Yeah. You could, you could shut that down or at least minimize that. And yet you still choose to have the courage to say, you know what? I'm, I'm willing to let that person make a mistake, even if it ends up falling on me because it's better for them in it, it not in, definitely in the long term but it could even be better for them in the short yeah. term what are your thoughts on that yeah no absolutely well first off i think that's the great you know challenge and dance and chasm of leadership you got to jump over um great management great leadership in my opinion great organizations great businesses that are built are done when you step into that unknown abyss of, man, I don't really know the outcome here, but I'm extending ownership. It's not done in the micromanagement spaces and places. And I think a lot of people, I mean, me, you know, as an early stage manager in a lot of ways, think that like micromanagement and just task, you know, uh, assignment is what real leadership and management is. And that's not what it is at all. Um, it's the process and it's the art of believing and entrusting people, making really great bets and decisions on who you're going to hire, um, doing a really good job of like, because then then I guess well, I'm going to say a bunch of things. But my point is, before I say those, you want to try to minimize the risk of somebody who you extend ownership to just absolutely flopping out. So I don't think the practice when it comes to at least especially from a from a um, organizational standpoint uh, when you extend responsibility or ownership to somebody, I don't think the practice is, all right, and I'm not going to give you any help or support or, you know, definition or guidelines or railings or anything like that. Um, so, you know, what we try to do, and I think what great leaders try to do is they give a really clear indication. God does this through scripture of, hey, this is kind of the definition of success here. This is how we view and, you know, evaluate success. This is what we deem as, you know, uh, great moves and what we don't. We're giving you full ownership. Um, here is going to be the outcomes, you know, like we want you in, in as a response. And this is not just in a, an employer standpoint, I think everywhere to accept accountability in exchange for that ownership. If I'm taking the ownership, I'm ultimately accountable and responsible for it. And I'm going to be hold account held accountable, you know, to the outcomes that I end up pursuing. But if you hire the right people, if you set the right standards, if you communicate well, nine times out of 10, they're going to knock it out of the park with creative ideas. And, and in exchange for that, maybe one time out of 10, something's going to not work out the way that it was supposed to. I think oftentimes in life, and this is, again, not just from an employer standpoint, it's across the board. 
we take things extremely seriously, you know, a project, um, a, a relationship or a responsibility, a vacation, um, a day that's being planned doesn't go the way that it's supposed to be planned on a family vacation. All of those things, like they don't really matter as much as, as we think that they do. And so it's okay. You know, if someone does it their own way, if it doesn't work out, uh, the best, I mean, I have an amazing manager here now. The best managers and leaders I've had have been the people who have stepped in with grace to go back to what we said earlier and have said, hey, it's okay. I'm, I'm excited and happy that you, you chose responsibility, accountability, and ownership. And, you know, we're going to figure this out together. I'm here to help you solve the problem, but let's keep moving towards that. And I'm not going to yank the chain of trust or ownership because something, because it was a learning opportunity and something didn't go the way that maybe we had thought it was going to go. So. I, I want to interject and say that I'm blown away, impressed by you today as compared to the previous version of you in, in my class. The level of maturity and your wisdom on such a simple concept to describe that is leadership and extraordinarily difficult to implement, it, it, it's extraordinary to... to to listen to you today. I, I just want to, I, I just feel convicted enough to, to tell you that, in, you know, in this moment that just blown away, impressed Noah. Thank you. You know, I, I, it's not, again, like I, I, the doctor Silver didn't pay me to say this, but it, it is, not <laughs> uh, uh, I, you know, I think, I honestly think, I truly believe, um, in my life and, and probably everyone's lives in, in some way, shape or form, God has put some fantastic individuals who are great leaders. That's the beauty of the world that we live in, live in today. One, you have scripture, which ultimately highlights the greatest leader of all time, in my opinion. And then two, you have YouTube and, uh, and you, can, you can watch and listen to some amazing leaders. And three, we live in a, a, a world which is a huge blessing where you can, you have way more leverage and say over where you want to work, you know, than you may have had 100, 200, 300 years ago, 50 years ago. And so, you know, like I, I to go back to a, to, um, a former question, I picked Grand Canyon because I think we have some of the best leadership in the world here right now. And I want to be around that leadership. I think for, for young folks uh, that are listening, the best thing that you can do in your 20s is say, I want to learn. I want to grow. I want to get around the smartest, most talented leaders I possibly can get around. And I, by the process of osmosis, I just want to absorb and absorb and absorb um, as much of that as I can um, and change, you know, my, my practices and perspectives via the, the, the things that I'm, you know, consuming and observing. So thank you. I appreciate that. It has not, it really yeah. nothing to do with me. I'm kind of just regurgitating stuff, but thanks. Well, I, I figure I've only had maybe seven original yeah, thoughts yeah. in my life. Yeah, yeah. And e everything else I've shamelessly stolen and or repurposed. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that's what that is. You, you gave some really good advice just then. You know, as a person in your 20s, surround yourself with, with leaders that you can learn from. It's extraordinarily impactful. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're in your mid-20s. And yeah. You you also have grown up with a generational cohort and even the cohort preceding you, where in many ways it's become 
almost acceptable for young men to show up listless and aimless. Hmm. How, how were you able to navigate that? And what advice would you give to say a sophomore uh, male in high school to say, Hey, look, this is how you show up better for you. So you can show up better for the people you let into your world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think the listless and aimless thing there's, I, I some days this morning feel listless and aimless. Uh, it's tough. We live in a, I think a tragic state in the world where there's so much opportunity. You can be anything that you want. You can do anything that you want. Um, it, it, it can almost sterilize you and put you in a position where you're paralyzed and feel like, man, I want to keep all the windows and doors of opportunity open. So I'm not willing to shut any of them. I don't even know what to do, what to say, where to go, how to be, how to live, how to act. There's all these different worldviews and philosophies clashing in my life. Um, and so, yeah, I think the natural response is to say, what do I do? I'm just not going to do anything. I have no purpose or guidance. I'm just going to kind of enjoy life and have fun and, and, and ignore and avoid. And I've been challenged with that at so many points in my life. Um, I think some of the things that, again, wise counsel that went really well for me, um, there's a few, I'd say, um, a career and a calling are different things. Uh, a career is a specific job or a specific industry. A calling is the type of work that happens in that job or industry. And a calling can transcend across the board. Um, you can do all sorts of different stuff. You, you know, Dr. Shoto, you shared your career with, with me and you've done all sorts of different stuff. But I'm assuming that there's been, you know, a trajectory of similarities in each of those roles, helping people, assisting people, guiding people whatever that looks like. So identifying what gets you out of bed in the morning makes you really passionate, I think, and start driving the needle towards what, what you want to be and how you want to show up. Um, the, other, the other few things I would say is like, especially if you're, you're, you're a follower of Christ, um, anytime I've tried to implement my own practices or a way that I want to live that's different, even if because I agree with it, I don't agree with that portion of scripture, I don't agree with that, you know, wise counsel. It just hasn't worked out. Like ultimately at the end of the day, it really hasn't worked out. And whenever I'm trying to live my fullest uh, to exemplify who Christ is, it has worked out. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It doesn't mean that I'm getting momentarily what I want. But if I'm looking at it, uh, at, at, you know, working out the definition of it as feeling as fulfilled as possible, you, you know, um, it, it comes when I'm abiding and following in Christ. The other thing, the final thing that I would say is if you're feeling, you know, aimless, um, you don't really have guiding principles, which is totally fine. There are a lot, like I said earlier, of extremely wise individuals in the world who have said incredible things that you can get access to to help you kind of define those principles. And there's also people who are willing to talk with you. You know, I try to tell every sophomore in high school is even the best time to do this. I didn't get this till maybe my freshman or sophomore year in college, but. People have a, a um, uh, bias sometimes or a presupposition about what young people are like. They just sit around and play video games and don't do anything or whatever that looks like. So if you as a young man can show up to someone ready to go, say, hey, I, you know, I'd love 15 minutes, 30 minutes of your time. Can I ask you a few questions? Here are the questions I'd love to ask you in advance. One, you build a great relationship with that person. And two, you can get a lot of wisdom. Later today, I'm talking with someone in, in my career field, um, fundraising and development, who has had a fantastic career. And uh, I'm asking them super specific questions about stuff that I'm wrestling with in this career space. 
and they were totally open to meeting with me. Sometimes you don't think people are going to meet with you. Um, a lot of times they want that people want to extend their wisdom and experience to others. So those are some things I would encourage folks to to focus in on. That's tremendous advice. I want to. I love how you said that too. It's like, gosh, the sophomore in high school age, that's the perfect age to, to really m modify the trajectory of, of a young person's mm. life. And, but you, you also said something too that I want to touch on. You said, you know, it, we, live in, we live in a society where you can do anything you want. And yet society perpetuates division, or at least certain factions of society yeah. perpetuate division. And what I'm not saying is that there aren't injustices, there isn't conflict. But Noah, you're a person of color and you have such an optimistic worldview that, you know, gosh darn it, yes, I can do what I want. I can be what I want. How have you been able to sort of wade through the waters of apparent division on one side that's race-based and yeah. coupled with, you know, we, we have all of this opportunity at our fingertips. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously this is such a deep topic. Um, you know, the first thing that I, that I would say is my story as a person of color looks so different than other people's stories uh, as, as people of color. Um, you know, my adoption story, my background in San Diego, it put me in a very diverse environment. Um, you know, there are so many types of people and backgrounds and demographics in San Diego. My family, uh, there's my immediate family, five, six different, you know, um, races represented. And so um, that upbringing put my mind in a very different place when it comes to what's possible in America and, you know, how, how uh, uh, I, I can live my life out as a person of color than somebody who grew up in a different part of the country. In this role at GCU, you know, we've had the privilege of traveling all over the country and I've seen a lot of things. Um, I've seen things that I did not experience growing up in San Diego. And so I, I, I say all that to say, I think that it can be easy for someone like me to say what I said there. And it can be difficult for someone in one of those other environments to hear that and take it to heart. Um, I think a couple of things that I would say is, is uh, if you truly believe that Christ is, is in control and that God has a plan and a purpose for someone's life, if you really believe that, and I think those are the, the questions that I should be wrestling through, continue wrestling through, and others should be wrestling through, then you really get to a space and a place where you believe that anything's possible. And when I say anything, I don't mean your plan or what you want to have happen, but that God can do incredible stuff. He can. Um, and it doesn't mean that it's going to be easy for everybody. I think that's one of the things that, you know, I, I want to preface, like you can become the person you want to become for some of us. It's going to be more challenging than, than others. Um, but for all of us, we're going to have a core relationship with the savior who loves us, who gives us meaning, purpose, and value. Um, we're not going to be able to solve all of the problems and challenges we see in this fallen world. Um, but in comparison to other places on the planet, we're just so blessed to have the ability in this country to still have a lot of freedom and stay and becoming the person that you want to become and doing the things that you want to do. There are so many outside factors that are not in my control, 
but my character, um, my personhood, the principles that I choose to live my life by, those things are in my control, regardless of where I live or where I'm at or where I sit economically, demographically, in the country, racially, regardless of that. Work ethic, um, um, moral character, honesty, the fruits of the spirit. Those are things that, that anyone can control in any environment. Um, and I think those are the things that, that God and Christ is asking us to take responsibility for and, and trusting him to take care of the rest. So again, very deep topic. Um, I, I do not have all the answers for it. I think being as, as open-hearted, open-minded, and listening-oriented as possible helps us in those conversations. But those are some of my thoughts, I would say, to, to that question. It's so good. Building on that just a little bit, it, would, it occurs to me that whenever we f- focus on issues that divide us, we end up having blinders on. We live life through this myopic lens. and. Yeah one of the obvious challenges to living that way is our eyes are down. We're pressing through the struggle and toil and suffering. And not to suggest that life doesn't have that or components of that, but when we're myopically focused, our field of vision narrows versus actually lifting up our eyes and seeing this, this field of vision that is full of so many possibilities and opportunities, blessing gifts, whatever we want to call them. And we just can't see them when our eyes are down. As a final question, what words of encouragement would you offer someone who is in that season in their life where they can't see the forest for the trees? And how can they work to get beyond that to see all of the opportunity and blessings that God has in store for them. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's a case by case basis, obviously. So, you know, find somebody, there is somebody, um, even if it feels like there isn't, you, 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 you can find somebody, get involved in a local church, ask for wise counsel that cares about you, that wants to invest in you. Um, in some way, shape, or form, try your absolute best to do that. If you can't find anybody, give me a call. Um, um, and and uh, talk about this stuff with them because it's it 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 comes on a case by case, personal level. Some of the bigger picture things that I would say um, is if you have the ability to diversify your experiences, keep diversifying them. Travel, try new jobs, try new things, make new friends, meet new people, watch a variety of different worldviews, perspectives, talk. Uh, topics, talks, read, do, do things that you can do to try to get as much uh, understanding of, of the forest, if you will, as possible, because it keeps, it keeps you focused on the reality once you have those experiences that I do live in a forest, not just a singular plot of trees that looks all the same. And I think it helps you make decisions when you're in that plot of trees um, to stick with the analogy. The other thing that I would say is like, understand that, uh, Life is oftentimes full through, full of twists and turns, even if it seems kind of mundane and, and, and simplistic. Uh, if you pursue experiences, it seems, you know, it doesn't, which helps me remember this more often. But most of the things in life that have happened that we love and we take for granted and are like always constant the same. My marriage might be an example, not always constant the same, but 
I can't remember a time when Allie wasn't in my life and, you know, we weren't doing life together. I met my wife because I was late to class and that was the only <laughs> seat available. And so I sat next to her. And the reason I was late to that class was my schedule had just gotten switched because a counselor had made, you know, an honest mistake and moved me out of one class to another class. And the reason that counts, that mistake was made probably was because someone was taking PTO and they didn't, they forgot to do it or something. A bunch of things had to happen. I had no control over for me to meet my wife. And then we connected because she helped us out on, on some student leadership stuff. And I didn't have those student leadership opportunities. I probably wouldn't have connected with my wife. And so my wonderful marriage that I love, uh, that seems like something that's, you know, just rolling along, actually was the result of God doing some incredible stuff in the background. And so um, that's the case in everybody's life. If you look at, the, at some of the things that you love, you know, this podcast, your job, where you're at, it's God moving in incredible ways. And that keeps me excited that there are incredible opportunities down on the horizon, that there's, there's a potential world, a hopeful world where God might do some crazy stuff. I have no control or say over and my life might shake up and change dramatically. And so for the folks who are in a season that seems like, you know, um, the same mundane, quick, short plot of trees, not a massive forest, I would do some of those things. Remember what God's done in your past. It's going to lead you to a hopeful outcome for the future. Try your best to get out and about and experience as much as you can um, and find people, find people that, that, that care about you tremendously, um, that want to see you succeed, have, have difficult, tough, deep conversations with them. God's word, scripture has a lot of hot button stuff right now that we can, we can pick apart and talk through together collectively as a community. I think if you do those things, you'll you have a clear perspective on, on life and the world around us. Yeah. So good. I know I said in the opening, I knew you were smart, but I didn't know you were that smart brother. Not that smart. Brother. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're an impressive young man and thank you so much for taking time to have this conversation. It, it means a lot. Uh, before we wrap, would you mind praying us out? Yeah, would love to. Thank you, Dr. Slover. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for, uh, thanks for blessing us, um, for giving us the opportunity to, um, see your world and experience it on, on a day-to-day basis, see your goodness and experience it on a day-to-day basis. God, um, uh, thanks for technology like this that allows us to just communicate with one another and express ideas, share those ideas with a broad population. Um, thanks for giving us access to that, God. Um, I pray uh, um, uh, for Dr. Slover and for this ministry and, and, and uh, uh, for the future conversations that are going to happen and, and that your hands just uh, invested in that. I pray for each and every one of us as we keep guiding through uh, this this crazy forest of life, God, uh, that we have perspective and clarity on your goodness um, and your greatness and your plan and purpose for our life that you've given us an identity and a future to hope in. Um, Thank you for your son and for the sacrifice he made on the cross. It's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. No, that was great. Thanks, Dr. Slover. Appreciate your time. God bless. You can contact the show at itsnotmycredittotake.com. We'd love to hear from you. God bless.